All right. Well, we're gonna gonna be looking at uh, this last part of Psalm 103 here this morning, and uh, verses 13 through 22, which starts with, "As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him." For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As um, as I was looking at this passage this week, what what spoke to me, what I felt like one of the things the author was saying uh, through these words, through this prayer, through his expression, um, was talking about where he wanted to find his hope and where we can find our hope. And you know, the situation that we find ourselves in now with COVID and staying at home and uh, just things, things, there are new challenges. There's new stresses, there's new losses, there's new anxiety that comes up, whether it's having to do with our jobs, uh, whether it has to do with our finances, maybe some of us, you know, are feeling lonely, being disconnected from everyone. Um, Maybe those of us, you know, that have family that we're living with or roommates, maybe there's extra tensions there. Um, there. There could be stresses of illness uh, for you or for people in your family, for those that you know. Uh, the loss of things that we're hoping for, like graduations, things like that. But even, even apart from this time, uh, loss and grief and pain comes into our lives sometimes more, sometimes less. And uh, where where can we find hope during those kinds of times? And, you know, hope is something that operates not only when things are hard and tough, but when things are good, too. When things are going well for us, um, you know, what is it that we are giving credit to for things going well? Um, when things turn out good, are we saying, hey, you know, I must have done the right thing for this good thing to have happened. Or maybe someone else did the right thing. Someone else treated me well. And so that's why things are going well for me. Um, you know, what, what is the reason or who do we give credit for for things going well? That also reveals what we're putting our hope in or who we're putting our hope in. So what are our options in terms of where we can find our hope? Um, sometimes we could, we could come up with a whole bunch of things, but, but I think all those things really boil down to three places. You know, one, we could find our hope in ourselves, hoping that we have what it takes, an inner strength or ability to carry us through, to do what needs to get done, um, to make things turn out the way we want them to. Another choice would be to trust other people. You know, trust, maybe we feel like we don't have what it takes, but maybe other people do. Maybe you know, our life going well has to do with other people getting it right, other people fixing things, other people treating us well or, or doing the right thing that we think they should do. And then the, the third place that all of our hopes uh, boil down to, the third choice would be putting our trust in, in God, in Jesus, through Jesus. You know, admitting that we don't have what it takes, other people don't have what it takes, uh, but Jesus does. He can do what needs to be done to take care of our needs. Um, I think the writer of this psalm is, sort of examines these options of where to put our hope and 
you know, naturally comes to the conclusion that putting our hope in God is the one that's going to turn out well for us. So let's see how it gets there. Um, he says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. You know, another word, sometimes this word compassion is translated um, as mercy. So as a father has mercy on his children, so the Lord has mercy on those who fear him. And he has, he has mercy on us because we continue to mess up. We continue to hurt ourselves. We continue to hurt one another. And God holds back the things that, you know, we deserve for the messing up. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He holds that back. He has compassion. And it says, like, a father has compassion on his children. You know, as, as a father myself of two boys, you know, I see that at work sometimes um, when, when my kids do something that, you know, I know is, is not helpful, is not good. Um, you know, part of me sees what would be deserving for them to receive in response to it. And then another part of my heart wants to protect them from that, protect them from the consequences of their actions and to, uh, to just have compassion and have mercy on them. And, and I do, and I extend that. And God, in the same way, really wants to not allow us to experience all the, the loss and the hurt that would come from the mistakes that we make. Because he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So the psalmist is reflecting on the fact that in our nature, we don't have what it takes to do the right thing all the time to make things work out. You know, we're, we're made of stuff that is not capable of doing that we're dust and and god remembers that and he continues on to say the life of mortals is like grass they flourish like a flower of the field the wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more you know it's it's tempting to want to put our hope in a person that looks worthy of it uh, and you know, he reflects on, you know, there is a flourishing of people. You can see that there's, you know, this, this beauty, this, you know, things that happen that are good through people. There, there is this flourishing that happens maybe in our lives and us, or we see it in others. And the temptation is to see that bit of flourishing and say, oh, this person must have figured it out. They must have a secret that is making it work for them, making life go well. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. That's where we need to place our hope. We see that bit of flourishing and we, we want to place our hope there, whatever it is. But he says, you know, yes, there may be that flourishing, uh, but one, it's very fragile. Just the wind blows over it and it's gone. It's not that strong. It doesn't last. Its place remembers it no more. It comes quickly and it goes quickly. So it's not really something that's going to give us lasting hope. So he reflects that if we're looking to put our hope in ourselves or in others, humanity 
it lacks both quality and being able to really do it and also duration. You know, it just it just doesn't last. So, you know, some of those things we might think, you know, as we as we look at the you know, response to our current crisis, a lot of the discussion and talk over over COVID and how it's being handled is just this, you know, this argument about what's the best response, like who did it well, who didn't do it well, and if we'd done it well, then things would have turned out this way, or or now we need to handle it like this. You know, there's, you know, people getting into different camps and arguing over it and, um, you know, talking bad about the other side and, and underneath all of this is the assumption that if we could just figure out the right plan, then everything would be good. There's this trust, there's this hope that we can figure it out if we just get on the right side and if we can just convince that other side that they're wrong and they should come to our side and we do all do the right thing, then things are gonna turn out good. You know, this, this dynamic of you know, putting our hope in ourselves or in other people you know, it happens on on a, on a grand scale, like response to this crisis, and also happens on a small scale in our individual relationships um, with one another. Um, often, when you know there's there's tension or there's you know something that's happened between us and another person, you know we you know this this idea of where we find in our hope comes out. Like, for example, you know, let's say that I messed up and I you know, forgot Audrey's birthday one year. This hasn't happened, but I wouldn't put it past me. It hasn't happened yet. But let's say I did. I didn't, I didn't get her a card or a gift. I didn't plan anything. Didn't even wish her a happy birthday on Facebook. Or nothing. So, you know, at the end of the day or the next day, she says, man, Steve, you forgot my birthday. So I might have a number of different responses, right? Like maybe, maybe I'd try to find an excuse. I'd be like, oh man, this COVID stuff, it's been so busy, like all this stuff's been happening. Like, you know, it's not my fault that I forgot. Like, you know, I, you know, I find some kind of excuse to say that, you know, it's not really my responsibility you know, that I forgot it. Or maybe, maybe I'll try to deny it and say, no, no, I remember. I just had something planned for, you know, tomorrow or the next day or, or I had this surprise. That, or, or I might try to make up for it. Um, say something like, oh, I'm so sorry, I promise nothing like this will ever happen again. I'll, I'll be sure to like make it really good next year. Or I'll make up for it later this week or something. You know, I, might, I might sort of do the apology, non-apology kind of thing. You know, I'm sorry for not remembering your birthday. I didn't really mean it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't my fault. I was doing something else. Like, the apology, but not taking responsibility for it. Um, you know, or I, or I might just, you know, suck it up and say, man, I messed this one up. And there's no excuse. I'm just really sorry. And I imagine that it really hurts you. And that you're not enjoying this birthday because of So out of, out of all of these approaches, you can probably look into them and see, you know, which of the ones are focusing on, you know, my hope for me 
you know, making up for what's happened or placing the burden on Audrey to make up for what's happened um, or, you know, and, and then, and then there, you know, that last option of just taking responsibility and entering into that and trying to observe her and what's going on with her and how she's feeling in the situation um, is just sort of saying, you know, I can't make up for this. I, you know, I can't do it. I messed up and I just can't make up for it. I'm sorry. And leaving space for God to make up for it in that situation. And I think the, the interesting thing is that whenever we're doing things that rely on us making it happen or someone else making it happen causes division and, and pushes people further apart. Um, you can see it happen in the, the response to COVID when, you know, we're trying to get what's happening, you know, it's just dividing people. And then in this situation with me and Audrey, when I'm trying to make excuses or you know, blame her or blame somebody else or, you know, make it about me making up for it, it doesn't really create that connection or that intimacy between us that if I just am vulnerable and be like, I totally messed it up. I'm sorry. Um, you must, you know, be really hurt by that. But that's, that's the most, creates the most opportunity for us to come together and to connect. And so to the degree that we put our hope in us and other people is the degree to which we are creating division and pushing people apart. And the degree to which we set aside our hope that we can do it right or that someone else can do it right and open the space up for God to make up for it is to the extent that there's opportunity for connection. There's opportunity for intimacy. And that, and putting our, and that's, that's kind of the beginning of what it looks like to put our hope in God. And the, the psalmist now goes on to say, you know, putting our hope in people is not going to work, but, but from everlasting to everlasting, you know, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So it says two things about when we put our hope in God, what he's going to provide for us. It's going to be his love and his righteousness. Um, sometimes when we think about hope and what we're hoping for, um, we... We kind of imagine the situations that we're in and that we're not happy about. We imagine those situations changing to be what we hope them to be. And that's sort of our hope. Like, you know, let's say I lost my job and I, I'm, really, I'm looking for a job. My hope is that I'll get a job because I see that that's, you know, going to meet the need that I have. Um, but, but I think what God is offering us in terms of hope uh, isn't really about, you know, circumstances and things turning out in a way that we want it to or that we think will be good because that's sort of an indirect way of putting our hope 
in ourselves or in other people in our way of seeing how things are going to turn out. That we're like, if the situation was just like this, how I think it would be good, how I want it to be, then life will be good. And that's where I can put my hope. But, but rather putting our hope in God really is about, as it says, the Lord's love. And that love is about connection. And the hope that we can have, and I think what really deep down we want out of life that God has made us for is not to have a life free from pain or worry or loss or have lots of money or a good job or for everything to be all smooth and nice and good and not, you know, have any struggle or pain. But what we long for is for to have love, to have connection, to have people that know us and for us to know other people and for there to be acceptance, for there to be caring, for, for all of those things to happen. And when we put our hope in people, ourselves or others, kind of what we're doing is we're putting our hope that we can make that s- the situation smooth so that we get the intimacy that we want. Um, but as we've seen, we're not able to do that. And God is not in the business of doing that for us. But what God is in the business of doing is bringing us connection and intimacy and love and hope in the midst of things not going perfectly. He's not going to change things in such a way where everything goes fine for us. And there's a lot of reasons why he's not going to do that, but he's just not going to do that. But what he is going to do is going to make it so that even in the midst of all the difficulty or all the pain or all the stuff that's going on, that we can find you know, love and that he's going to make up for the loss and the hurt and provide connection and relationship for us. And part of how he's going to do that is, you know, the, the first part is, you know, his love is going to come to us and then his righteousness is going to be given to us. And, you know, it's not that we are good and righteous and making things good, but that Jesus was and that he's going to give that to us so that God can treat us rightfully and in a just way as if we had done all the right things to earn life. But the psalmist sort of seems to qualify this receiving of God's love, receiving of his righteousness with, with these words where he says, what does he say? First, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So is the psalmist here saying that, you know, we need to you know, have these qualifications in order to receive God's love and his righteousness? Do we need to fear him, keep his covenant, remember to obey his precepts? That sort of seems to go opposite of what we've been talking about, how God treats us with love apart from our ability to earn it. Uh, so is there a qualification here or is there not a qualification here? And uh, not to take too long on this, but I think that the short answer is that those qualifications do need to be met in order to belong to God. 
but Jesus has met them for us. And so that this, you know, in expressing this, you know, for those who keep his covenant, obey his precepts, like we can qualify as that kind of person when we're in Jesus, because Jesus is that kind of person. And he has invited us and brought us into that place where now we can be treated as if we are keeping the covenant with God. We are keeping up our end of the bargain and we are obeying God's precepts, even though we aren't, but Jesus did. And so now all of that is open to us because of him standing in our place. He goes on to say, you know, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. You know, we might, we might worry that this offer from God is too good to be true or that maybe there's some other power or some other thing that's going to knock us out of that. But the psalmist just wants to remind us that, you know, look, look, God's, God is the king. You know, he's set up his throne. He's established it. It's not going anywhere. His kingdom rules over all. There's no power greater than him. There's no outside force that's going to knock this down. This offer, this place where we can put our hope is not in danger. It's not fragile in any way. It's not going to be overthrown by any other power or any other thing or person that it's established and it's firm and it's something we can really rely on. And then the psalmist finishes this um, with these last sort of refrains of praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. You know, he turns his attention to the angels, to all the heavenly hosts, and he describes them as those who obey God's word, who do God's will. Uh, and then he extends it to just say, you know, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, all his works everywhere. And, uh, you know, it just sort of struck me that when we put our hope in people, our hope is saying that you know, we're going to be able to do what God says. We're going to be able to do what's right. We're going to do his will and things will turn out well for us. And the psalmist is saying, even the angels and all the heavenly hosts who are obeying God's word, who are doing his will, even them, it makes sense for them to just, you know, say, bless the Lord. Everything that we need and everything that we have comes from him. You know, we, we're not, able to put our hope in ourselves, but we're putting our hope in God too. So that even if, even if we were able to perfectly keep God's will and do things good, we're still relying on God, that he's the one that we can put our hope in and, and bless him and praise him in our hearts. You know, and it just sort of makes me think how God has made different creatures in heaven and on earth who experience him in different ways and bring him to glory in different ways. And it seems like one of our unique opportunities as, as people is to experience his mercy and his grace as, as we make mistakes and we hurt him and we hurt others. And yet we're forgiven and we experience mercy and grace and blessing, even though we don't deserve it. 
and love from him. And, and we get to know the intimacy that comes from our relationship with him and with others that's founded on forgiveness, not on people doing the right thing. And that there's a huge amount of joy and just glory in being able to participate in that and knowing that it's not coming from us, but that we can give the glory um, back to God. Amen.